0: You are listening to Lovesick, the podcast where we dive into health, wellness, and relationships and their impact on the world. Come be a part of the discussion and join our community by following us on YouTube, Instagram, and listening wherever you get your favorite podcast. Enjoy the show. Hi, um, welcome to Love Sick podcast.
1: This is our very first one. Uh, my name is Jada. I'm your host. And hello, everyone. Thanks for joining. I am Dorothea. I'm also your host.
2: And I'm Michael Fishman, uh, another host and here to kind of explore. Love Sick is kind of designed as exactly what the name says. It's about loving sick people, experiencing love through the process of chronic illness and kind of all of the steps that goes with wellness and experiential paths along that journey. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. All right, now you probably should tell people where this started.
0: So, I'm I I love the idea of putting us together and there's a reason why we're all together. So, I will introduce Dorothea as my mother. Um she has she can tell you her story in just a moment, but Dorothea is my mother and the inspiration from this came from her story when she um found out she was diagnosed with sarcoidosis, um which we can't wait to hear your story about this um but and I also we're also taking it from a series that she used to have called Let's Talk Sarcadosis, which also brought in health professionals and medical professionals and stories. And I just thought it was such a good concept that we decided to amp it up and, um, you know, make it a podcast. And then our lovely Michael here. Um- <laughs> <laughs> Hello.
2: I, I, I guess they brought me because I'm the... Uh- unexpected voice of a lot of different experiences (laughs) uh, both medical and not um and then i would say the biggest part is we got together and we really wanted to share these deep conversations about health and wellness and that journey and what it looks like both from a practitioner and a medical side but more importantly from a personal side right like that's the core of this is really sharing people's personal stories because we all started talking about some of our personal mm-hmm. stories and, and then we were like, wait, we should do this on the podcast and not like just let it out. So we're gonna do some of that today. But the big part of it is, and for people who are at home, like for you guys to be able to start this conversation with us, mm-hmm. to share this journey, for us to have this open dialogue that goes back and forth because so many people feel alone. And people feel like their journey is only theirs or they're lost in this process. And as I sit next to both of you, you guys are both just such wealths of both wisdom, but also just compassion. And uh I think that's the place that we really wanted to start. And I think, Dot, you're kind of the the real baseline for yes. this, right? Like, like you started this journey and this really inspired Jada and and the inspiration you gave Jada kind of inspired me. So maybe we should kind of begin that journey. So we thought if we're going to share, we should start inside so that the rest of the world knows kind of what we're sharing and how we're sharing.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) I mean, you know, it's not like I chose this journey. The journey chose me. And um, I wasn't always this knowledgeable about the journey. But let me go back to where the journey actually started. So everyone will know because me being diagnosed with pulmonary sarcoidosis, I'm pretty sure there are people out there saying, what the hell is sarcoidosis? <laughs> yeah, right?
2: Right? Well, and, right? And well, like you're saying, like, right, that, like, right. You, I have, I have, can you spell that? right? Yeah. And in those yes. days, there was no, you're not going online and Googling it, right?
1: Exactly. So, you know, let's start there with the amount of people that still today have no idea what this illness is. So, my hope is to help try to educate the people that are listening because of the, the disease and what it mimics as well. So it's very hard to detect. So let me go back from when I was first diagnosed. Actually, when I was 17, Jada wasn't even born yet. <laughs> I, I started getting a rash on my chin, which I thought was pretty interesting, but I really thought because I do have allergies, I said, well, maybe it's pollen. I always just thought it's pollen. I would go to a dermatologist and they would just give me a cream. Like, you know, I had some kind of uh, outside contact whatever, dermatitis. And that was that. So I lived with that for like years thinking that's basically what it was. Because again, nobody really took the time to figure out.
2: Yeah, Can I, can yes. I jump in in that place? Yes. Is, I think for a lot of people, that's their experience is you go to a doctor, mm-hmm. you don't know what you're dealing with and someone gives you kind of a generic, maybe open right. kind of general description or mm-hmm. or here, put this cream on it and, and here's where you're at. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you think, oh, okay, it's not a big deal. or And now we're just managing symptoms, right? Right. And And what I think one of the missions for this is To help people see sometimes some of the symptoms you may be missing, Mm -hmm. but also to understand and no knock to the medical community Mm -hmm. because we're all huge fans of doctors and and the medical community, but they're learning along with us and it's a practice of medicine. And anybody who's honest will tell you, Mm -hmm. they don't 100% know. So explain to us like, what did that turn into and, and how did you start to get
1: Right. So basically what that turned into is like years and years of putting cream just to put a Band-Aid on it, basically, from the doctor's perspective. And one day I realized, I said, wait, something's not right. Jada was five, five years old. That's, so This was
0: like how many years later? Then uh, because- <laughs> yeah,
1: because I was 17 when I first started getting the, you know, this was in 74. Uh right seventy yeah seventy five <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like, <laughs> right wait, let's not put the numbers yeah. up. no, just, no. Just, use age just, numbers. just use age numbers <laughs> no but you know what that's I'm twenty five this is crazy no, that's the thing though <laughs> that's the most important part of it because of what this disease can do and the ages that it affects so that's a very important piece because people can get this disease as early as age twenty. And a little bit before that, but that's why it's important to say the numbers, um, and not because I try to. You know, <laughs> hey, I'm a big girl, but anyway. But is it, but is it that
0: they diagnose? But is it is it really twenty, or is it that they diagnose it? Because just like I mean, this is a later conversation, but when my son who has asthma, he's you know they were like at one, I'm taking him to the doctors to do all these things, and they're like, oh, you know, we can't diagnose. It is asthma yet because he's not two, but it's like mm-hmm. I had to wait to hit, He had to be put in the hospital to be like, yeah, he does. And you're just kind of like, okay, what the heck? But I just, you're, I'm not trying to cut you off. Your story's great. I just want to know like from, from also a medical point of view. And I know we can get to that part as well, but I mean, it's something that's unknown, right? It was it, unknown. It's
1: it's still unknown. Let's get that clear. <laughs> okay. It's still unknown. And again, I was 17 and they were symptoms, but I had, I didn't have a clinical diagnosis. Right. And then it went on until I was 24, I would say 24 by that time. And I want to say too, I was a smoker. So that could be important because they don't know the origin. And so I smoked for 10 years. I smoked from actually age 16 to age 26. Did you know that? I did, but what about okay. working in tobacco fields? Right, right, right. And I did that like when I was a little kid, I was, you know, visiting my grandparents and family down South in North Carolina. And they would show me like, you know, work in tobacco fields that I really didn't like, but it was, you know, my family. And I said, <laughs> okay, you know, sweating my ass off. I just it in a field, it's so hot. Um, but I don't know because of the origin, that's unknown. Who's to say that that didn't have something to do with it? Who's to say that my cigarette smoking didn't have anything to do with it, which I really hate that I was smoking now that I'm in this situation now. But moving forward, um, Jada was five. And one day I literally woke up And it looked like, I I mean, I was sweating profusely Mm -hmm. and I had a uh, a really drastic weight loss. I looked like somebody, like a skeleton. And I just had this really bad cough. It was a dry cough. And I just kept coughing, coughing. It was persistent. It just really would not stop. So they were all the signs, but I had no idea. Then I had excruciating pain. Throughout my body, like my I I was just in a lot of pain and I, I said, gosh, what is going on with me? And I was coughing and out of breath. That was the other thing. I was having shortness of breath. And here I am in my 20s. And I can't breathe hardly. I'm like, okay, there is definitely something wrong.
2: Now, how many, what was the family, what did the family look like? How many kids, what was the, at the time, situation yeah. at the time?
1: Okay, so at the time when I was first diagnosed, I only had one child, okay. Jada. Okay. Okay, so.
2: That's got to be terrifying.
1: It, oh, Because you're in
2: you're in your. Like, I'm in my prime. You're in your prime. Really, yeah. And all of a sudden. And, and, then and I have sudden, kind of yes. a similar story with with. And people around me, so we'll get to that over other episodes. Right. But but what's that like to have a child, to feel like you're supposed to be in your prime, and all of a sudden your health fails you? Body's attacking you, things just don't. Right. And there's no answer.
1: It's terrible because as a young kid, she doesn't understand that. So she wants to do things. I can barely do it because I'm out of breath. I can walk up a flight of steps and I'm out of breath, and so that prompted me to seek medical attention at that point because I thought, wait a minute, this is not normal. So when I go to there was a a place near us at the time, like a one of those, uh, I don't know, a clinic. Um,
0: yeah, no, was, I, yeah, 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 I
1: forgot. Like anyway, but it was. Um, that's yeah, another thing. Your memory
2: sometimes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't want to say too much because I think we all probably, probably everybody at home probably has that. <laughs> we're being totally honest. If we're like,
1: going to be honest. Like, but, yeah. But anyway, yeah. So when I went to the doctors, to the medical center that was there, they took a chest x-ray because, you know, I said I was short of breath. So I remember when I had the chest x-ray, the um radio no the, the technologist came out and he couldn't really say anything to me because he's not a doctor. You're so he had to, to he can't say anything <laughs> not to me. To. <laughs> right. So he had to contact the doctor to say that there was a problem. And so my doctor had to call me. So let me tell you, I was about 10 minutes from where the medical center um was at that time and I'm living down the street. By the time I got in my place the
2: phone was ringing. Oh man, you're lucky. Yeah, I, the I, I phone. Know, like, like, like that's yes. lucky, but also, you know something's wrong. Oh yeah. Right, so those are the longest 10 minutes. Anybody yes. who's ever been sick can tell you. Like that's the longest, uh, like you know something's wrong. Yes. And now you looked at the face of somebody who knows enough. I'm a face to, looker. Yeah. To, so when yeah. I looked, I was <laughs> like, I got a, problem, a right? damn problem. <laughs> yeah. Because the
1: way they looking at me, I'm not feeling it. Yeah. Because I'm like, something's wrong. And when that happened, all I could think about was Jada right? because, you know, I had my parents, her dad, everybody was very supportive. You know, I had support, so I didn't have to worry about that, especially her dad, because he had to end up taking care of her while I was in the hospital. So when I got home, the phone's ringing. All of a sudden, I pick up the phone. My doctor's on the phone and he says, you need to turn around and you need to go to the hospital and admit yourself and I'll be there. And I was like, what? And I immediately just bawled like I just bawled. And I remember calling her dad and saying, you know, because Jada was like in school, priest, like a kindergartner. So I said, you have to come get her. You have to like pick her up. I have to be hospitalized. And he knew that I had, of course, sarcoidosis because we're together. But I said um, I have they want me to go to hospital. So I'm thinking the worst. That is the worst ride ever.
2: It's the worst feeling. The
1: worst. It felt like it was a day for me to Mm -hmm. get there. I felt like I was moving in slow motion.
2: And Mm -hmm. everything runs through your
1: mind. Everything. I was like dying. Every horrible (laughs) Everything. You're thinking about your kids. Uh, You're thinking
2: about who am I going to leave them with? What's going to happen after? I was thinking about
1: everything. And then on the way there, because she wasn't, she had no clue. And she really still didn't know. And the thing is, her dad he he brought her over to the hospital. Well,
0: can I cut you at that yes. moment? Because I remember me. being picked up from school, mm-hmm. and I remember my dad picking me up. And I mean, we lived together, right? We all right. lived together, but I remember him picking me up specifically because I think was I five or six? Because I felt like five. I usually take a bus. Okay, well, I remember because I think I would usually <laughs> take. What happened to me? I remember. So normally I would take a bus, right? But the fact that he came to pick me up, I was like, okay. I can't remember how he broke it down to me, but mm-hmm. I just remember him saying, We need to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Okay. And he's like, Your mom's in the hospital. And of course, like when you're five, right. You can also be scared because you don't mm-hmm. you don't know what's don't wrong. Know. But it's
2: well, and what is that like? I think for people at home, like like people listening, people talk about that for a moment, if you would, for like yes. what it, what was that experience like and looking back now, like how did that impact you? How did that kind of start to change things? Because you don't know.
0: Right. I would say at a the very young age, I still didn't understand that she was like sick. I just knew what they told me or what I saw. And that was the hospital was the the one memory I still have. Um but everything's like, everything's gonna be fine. Mm-hmm. Everything's gonna be fine. And you you know, you're I mean, I probably wouldn't tell my kindergartner, but no. you, you know, and yeah. she's also learning what she has because she does not right. know yet. So yeah. I think all you could say right now is yeah. everything's going to be fine because you don't want to be like, I am dying child. Like, yes. you know, and that's like so scary. Well, and
2: you don't know what to say. And I think no. anybody who's ever had a chronic illness right. or rare disease, all the people fighting cancer in this country and around the world, like so many of us have had these really uncomfortable conversations with our kids where whether you're the person going through it right. or the partner or the spouse, mm-hmm. And you're looking at your kid and you want to give them some hope, but at the same time, and you can speak to this as being the kid, you want to give them hope, but that's a fine line between giving them hope and not preparing them for the truth, right? And that's a it's a scary thing because as you start to really figure it out, Correct. it creates, there's going to be some chaos and some pain and some drama in this no matter what. This is mm-hmm. one of the hardest things you can experience in life, which is why we're doing this and want to share Absolutely. these stories. We have to and start these conversations and, and go deeper with them. But also like when you don't know as the kid, right? Because you Well, and even I as the
1: mother, this. I didn't yeah. even know. She still. didn't know right away. Yeah, yeah I didn't not. know what was wrong with me. You know, like being in that situation, they running all these tests, doing uh, CAT scans, MRI, another chest X-ray, and just picture this. She's five, um, you know, my ex bringing her to, well, he wasn't X now. I'm just saying X because of now. But um, he's bringing her to the hospital, which he was very good with her. So I wasn't worried about that part. I was so thankful. Like, oh, gosh, we have such that's a That's one thing, at least. That's oh, my gosh. <laughs> just, to have, just to have her dad to be able to make me comfortable where I don't have to be worried about her and what's going on with me. Well, you I, know,
2: Can I take one second mm-hmm. for all the people who hear this, right? Mm-hmm. Because for all the people who are going through it alone, what I'll tell you is there are people in your life, you're not totally alone. Because sometimes we feel all Mm -hmm. alone. But what I would say to you is you're not alone, but now I know you feel alone. And if you're one of those people going through it, because it's an impossible situation with a full family and with support structures, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. But when you don't have that, like it's unfathomable in a lot of ways. And, And so- in your guys' case, you were lucky because there, because there I was, was a crush, yeah,
1: I was blessed. And then once they, I was in the hospital five days, just you know, so you know, five days of test, 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 test. On the fifth day, that's when I got some kind. Prior to that, they told me we think you have lymphoma, cancer. Ugh. So imagine, I'm thinking, oh my gosh. I'm dying. Mm-hmm. I have a little girl. I'm dying. Which is already, you already thought the worst. Right. So which, I thought is the worst. Which the worst thing in your mind.
2: Yeah. Yes. This is spending right. lots of time around the medical community and in hospitals yeah. mm-hmm. in my life and then mm-hmm. doing a lot of volunteer work. Also, it is the worst when you get the, the wrong uh, diagnosis or the wrong predictor oh because gosh. you start diving <laughs> head deep into the chaos of what that means and mm-hmm. you don't even know enough yet. But it's the only- I'm going to say quasi answer you have. Ugh. And so you you find yourself so deep into mm-hmm. researching it. And now now you're looking for symptoms, right? And sometimes you're feeling symptoms. Like, do I have that? Is this something? Right. Is this other thing part of that? So when they tell you you have lymphoma, right? Right. Like, they said,
1: we think you have lymphoma. And the reason that they said that is because I had a drastic weight loss. So they thought, well, maybe she has cancer because she has this drastic weight loss. But then they didn't know still. They were like, well, maybe you have lymphoma. Maybe you have uh, lupus. They didn't know. So when the uh, pathologist, because they had to take a biopsy. So they took the biopsy in my neck and of the glands, because let me just tell you, with sarcoidosis, it's an inflammatory illness that causes like non-cancerous granulomas that can attack any major organ
2: of your body, right? And for people, those are like masses. They're like, yes. they're like bumps and things, and, and the biopsies. Lumps of cells. They're going in. If you haven't had one, man, you're lucky because mm-hmm. it. They go in and they have to take a piece of this so they can study it in a lab, mm-hmm. which means it's invasive. It means you're getting cut. Mm-hmm. It means you're terrified. It it means a lot of things that kind of add up in a hurry. But these like nodules that they mm-hmm. kind of grow, right? That's also terrifying.
1: Yeah. And it is definitely terrifying because also um, when I went to the hospital, they were checking because literally my liver was like twice the size it should have been. My spleen was twice the size that it should have been. So I was really, I was basically like at death's door, really. Because I went there and I was really sick and didn't know how sick I was. But once they found out, here's the thing that really struck me. The doctors came out as about four or five. Imagine four or five doctors walking in your room. You're like, oh, hell, here we go. They come into the room and they say, well, um, you know, uh, uh, Ms. McGuire, the good news is, the good news is you don't have lymphoma. And I'm like, okay, well, what do I have? Right. And, and there's they, four of you. Yeah. Right? It, one person <laughs> yeah, that you're four to tell, you have. Right? So like, four or five people. <laughs> yeah. And then they said, but the bad news is you have something called pulmonary sarcoidosis, which affects like 90% of the uh lungs. Like 90% of the organs is basically your lungs, mm-hmm. and it affects any other organ, your skin, you know, your spleen, everything, heart. And they said, but we don't know enough about it and we don't know how to treat it. So imagine people coming in. Now you telling me I have this disease. That's no cure. Yep. You don't know how you get it, but then you don't know how to treat it. And you've never, I, heard, of and well, I never heard of it. And I've never heard of it. I'm and, like, and what? I will tell
2: you, I've been in the room as a partner in this scenario. Yes. And there is nothing more terrifying. You already faced all these things. You think you're dying. You think, but then mm-hmm. when, the people that you're looking for for expertise turn to you and go eh, we, yeah. we 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 think we have a name but we don't really know yeah. and i think that's that's another part of our mission here mm-hmm. is to share with people so that you can maybe you've been misdiagnosed oh. or maybe you don't have a diagnosis at this point right and you're not being taken seriously or your doctors don't know and hopefully as we share these journeys people will be able to share in the conversation and be able to help each other. Because Mm -hmm. part of this is there's just not enough information and we don't know till we're sick. And I'm going to say this. There were times in my life when I was younger, you don't rush to the doctor. You're like, oh, no, that's not that big a deal. And sometimes that's the worst thing you can do. It's
1: the fear of the unknown when you really want to know, but you're afraid. But you got to think, too, this was in 1984, when I was clinically finally diagnosed. And the most important piece here is to talk about what this disease mimics. Because a lot of people are still getting misdiagnosed because it mimics like lupus, it mimics uh, multiple sclerosis, it mimics um, arthritis. Um, it mimics, uh, tuberculosis. So imagine all these things and the list goes on. So imagine all these things and they don't have one specific medication for sarcoidosis. They just give you medicine that they try for other illnesses and hope that that
2: works. Yeah. And you and I talked about this a lot. Right. This is something that you and I kind of bonded over because, you know, about six out of 10 rare diseases, some numbers are as high as eight out of 10 have absolutely no FDA approved treatment. Mm. There's no medication for a lot of these diseases, especially the smaller ones or the ones that we're just kind of discovering right and then a lot of the medicines that we use for treatment were designed for something else and, and and we're using right. them and we're we're covering symptoms or we or we're we are treating it and it is making progress mm-hmm. but that's not necessarily either a cure or a solution right. And we also don't know what the long-term impacts of these medications are in certain cases, especially when you're combining things to deal with a disease that we don't fully grasp or that mimics other things. Mm -hmm. We might be covering one symptom as we're fixing another, and that's just delaying the process and the problem.
1: Yes, because that's the other thing. Um, The only thing that they could actually give me at that time was prednisone because it was a... Uh, corticosteroid, where they know that it definitely reduces inflammation. However, they didn't know if it was going to do that for me. So basically, I was a trial, like a guinea pig, because it's like, well, we're going to put you on really high doses of prednisone, and we hope (laughs) that it works. Because it was basically like, you know, SOL if it doesn't work. Like, you're like, if it doesn't work, you're just screwed. So luckily, when they put me on a high dosage, and I mean, I was on like 100, like milligram. I I mean, it made my face what they call the moon face when you have uh, sarcoidosis with prednisone. So I had the fat face and all that, but I didn't care. I was like, let me get well, start on my journey so I can like beat this or like, you know, I always say, I'm not. That's not my. You know, the illness doesn't get next to me. Like I'm not my illness. But back then, I didn't know anything about it. It wasn't like maybe a page of something out there. The funny thing is, once I was diagnosed, and then you have to actually go to a specialist because uh, ninety percent of the time it does affect the lungs, and it affects women and men from twenty to forty years old. And in the in the U.S., we have like about two hundred thousand cases of this illness. And the the point is, it's more, they said, African, American, and Scandinavian descent. Okay. So you have to go to a specialist for whatever organ it affects in your body. So for me, it was a pulmonologist. Right. So I got a pulmonologist and he was great. I mean, he I, I think that pulmonologists and God, they're the ones that really like seriously helped me to get well again. And here's the thing. Jada was, I don't know if it was five or maybe six, but we had, her school had a PTA meeting. And I met my good friend that I have friends with now who also has sarcoidosis. And, but she's already had lung transplant, kidney transplant, everything. Cause it's just affected her different. That's the thing. This can affect people in different ways. Nobody gets affected the same. We went to a PTA meeting and I saw this lady we just bonded. We started talking. Her son was there. Jada was there. And we got to talking. She says, I'm so tired. And I said, Really? She says, "I have this illness called sarcoidosis." Well, we screamed like we hit the lottery because I was like, oh my god? God? "I'm not alone." right? Yes. yes, I was like, "Oh my god!" I said, "Me too." Yeah, and we bonded, and we still friends today. But anytime you feel like you hit the freaking lottery,
2: <laughs> well, but that's com- that's a common ground right there, and that's part of why you wanted to start this, right? Yeah, yes. like, like so that people can have that moment in this community. We want to build a community of people who can kind of scream out to each other, hey, you're not alone. Oh my god! Hey, hey, here's the thing that you're dealing with. I'm dealing with it too. Mm -hmm. Or have you tried this? Have you, here's a, here's a medical treatment. Mm -hmm. Here's a, you know, whether it be Western medicine, Eastern medicine, whether it be, you know, alternative, holistic, like we really want to.
0: But I mean, did they even know? Because it's something that. They didn't. Yeah. Is is a mystery illness, right? So it's, it's, it's very interesting just to, be like, how would you know if it, you right. need, East, you know, Western medicine or Eastern medicine or whatever? Because it's like, all and, right. And what just, are they? And they what, are they? It, what are they? They actually exactly. called
1: it the mystery disease because they they didn't know. But having her as a friend, we, were, uh, we had such a support system and it felt so good. I was like, oh, my goodness, I have somebody I can talk to because people don't understand it. I can't tell you how many times people say to me, you don't look sick. Well, the what the heck does sick look like? Because they would say to me, you don't look sick. What are you at? But tell my body that inside, like when sometimes I don't feel like getting up or sometimes I'm doing things. And I'm like, oh, I, I, I don't feel like doing that today. And And let me just say this. People need to ask questions. And that's why I wanted to become an advocate, because when I got pregnant with my second daughter. No one told me that I could have complications having sarcoidosis and being pregnant because they didn't know. Right. So I found out the hard way when I was pregnant with my daughter, seven months, my left lung collapsed and I had to be rushed to the hospital because my lung collapsed and they thought I wasn't getting oxygen. They didn't think she was getting oxygen, but she's like the miracle, babe, because I mean, right now she's a RN so that was one of the reasons that she wanted to be an RN, because she knew what I was going through. But that was not fun. And where I lived at the time in Howard County, the hospital did not have a, a, a baby ward, a GYN section. My doctor would have to come out there. If I couldn't go that ninth month, they would have to take me somewhere else, fly me somewhere else, and then or have him come out and prep to deliver um, her right there. Luckily. Luckily, she was fine. I was fine. I didn't lose not one thing of oxygen. She didn't lose oxygen. And that was fine. So that was like a moment for me. Like, why didn't somebody tell me, you know, to consult with the doctors and talk about these issues about what it could do to me? I found out the hard way. And then uh, forward, like 20 years later, how that happened, my lung collapsed again. But the other side. So I've had my challenges with this because they call it pneumothorax. I've had my challenges and may not look like it, but I battled a lot because being in a hospital, I know you remember uh, me doing, having it in 87 when I was pregnant with Casey mm-hmm. and then also 20 years later. And the time that it collapsed the second time, Casey was home because she was still with me. She was home about to go out. I knew something was wrong. Something didn't feel right. But I didn't want to scare her because to know her, she's very, mommy, are you okay? Is everything okay, mom? And I'm like, oh, I'm fine. But I wouldn't tell her. Yeah. Because she wouldn't go if I, if I told her. And I said, oh, just go. I'll be fine. And the moment she left, I said, I got to get out of here. Uh, something's wrong. And sure enough, I went to the hospital. They said, you have a pneumothorax. And I thought, oh, my gosh. So I've been in and out of the hospital. I'm still on prednisone, still, believe it or s- not.
2: Still fighting. And, and yes. Pregnisone is interesting. Uh, uh, it can it be bad too. It, it can be bad for me. Yeah. And it's a great drug in certain sense. And like you said, it's made a huge impact for you. Mm-hmm. But there are things that go with it. And we don't really have data on long-term usage over extended periods. And then also, like, luckily, you went. Because a lot of people don't take themselves in, right? Mm-hmm. And at least you did, mm-hmm. Jada. For you, when you listen to all this, I know you've you've lived it, right? But what is it like for you? Like, what what is it that you wish people kind of understood of this journey, kind of from the outside? And
0: I mean, to be on the outside, but to to be her daughter, right? Is is you know? I will say early on it was very scary, but the more that she managed, you know, she was able to manage it because you have met some people who have yeah. not managed their and succumb d- to it, yeah, and or have have other had other you know organs and parts like break down, and mm. and it's it's very sad, and that's what I was going to say to you about like your lifestyle choices and changes that you've made. Um, I mean.
1: Or have you here on this couch right now? <laughs> no, you're right. Because if I if I didn't advocate for if I didn't advocate for myself and always listen to what they didn't know, I probably wouldn't be here sitting on this sofa. But because I did, and then I I made sure that I changed my lifestyle because that's very important when you are challenged with an illness. I made sure that you know I did walks and whatever exercise and what I was putting inside my body as far as food, those things and definitely trying to avoid things that create inflammation because I already have it. So I don't need to be eating something that's going to cause even more inflammation. So it's, it's just those things. And, you know, there's also a lot of celebrities that have made their their, um, you know, illness public. Publicly known,
2: which didn't used to be the case. Which
1: didn't used to be the case, and but now they're talking about. Yeah, it.
2: and it's important because conversations like this is part of the reason we wanted to do this. Is because mm-hmm. we want people to feel safe. Yes, we want people to learn to be their own advocates. Um, you know, ironically, of the three of us, you're probably the most active, <laughs> and I'm crazy active. Like your, your diligence mm-hmm. for like a healthy lifestyle it really is the thing that's kept you here. And, yes. and and in experiencing this and having these conversations as we got ready to do Love Sick, like that's so important because if we can give that gift to other people, mm-hmm. if we can help people find things that help you feel better, that help you feel 1% better, Eight. because 1% leads to 2%, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's part of it. And as family members, right? Mm-hmm. To share these journeys, to have these deep conversations, to give, resources to people Mm -hmm. but advocacy is a huge thing are you willing to ask the tough questions because there are a lot of people somebody comes in in a white coat into the room and and like i said before nothing but love and respect to doctors because they they do miraculous work right and i volunteer in a hospital and i spend time around sick people all the time Mm -hmm. but you got to ask them tough questions you
1: can't be afraid to ask yeah You, you just can't like they're A lot of people are afraid of the, I will say it, the white coat. You know, they are. And it's not saying that they're not great doctors because we have some phenomenal doctors out here. And in my journey, let me tell you, I've had some great physicians. And the thing about it is being empathetic. That's another thing Mm -hmm. to also want to help you and see you, you know, thrive through this journey because you have some that's not so empathetic, Mm does not have the bedside manner. But I was fortunate enough to have all of that. And then not to mention the support. Support is so important in any, any illness that you have because I've had people come to me. That's another reason why we discuss doing something like this. I've had people come to me and say, my husband left me, my partner left me. Because I was sick or, or baby, having trouble finding love, having uh, couldn't find love because I'm sick. Or they would say things like, you know, I would get diagnosed and then they're like, uh, they just decide they want to divorce. And then dating, you know, yep. people like, well, what do I do? When do I tell someone that I'm sick? You know, so it was a lot of things that we thought, well, just this is a serious topic. You know, not just a person being sick, but just their life in general what they're dealing with and what they're not dealing with. So what do you have to say about Uh, that? I
2: would say, because that was your mission for this, right? And you brought us kind of all together for this. Mm -hmm. That
0: was the mission because I've had some good conversations with people who are living with an illness. And the biggest thing was, one was a couple, but it was like they've been dating since they were in high school. So Mm -hmm. she was already going through this and he was there for her. But the bigger conversations is talking to even professionals there's a lot of professionals out there dedicated to dating, you know, helping people date um, matchmakers, um, right. therapists who specifically deal with this because it is much bigger than we think. And it's like you can go on a first date and it's like, when do you tell them you have children? But then it's like, OK, I have two kids. Oh, OK, maybe that's not so bad. Yeah, maybe, maybe they run away. OK, I have sarcoidosis.
2: Or cancer or, or anything. Or but here's the thing. some rare disease. Yeah, and, and that's the part. Then but the got to explain what it is. That's yes, the biggest
0: part. Yes. The <laughs> biggest part is, and that's that's the biggest part is knowing, like, if you say I had diabetes. If you say I have diabetes, okay, I know a little bit about diabetes. You know, I have arthritis. Okay, I know a little bit about arthritis. But if you're saying something like I have sarcoidosis, it's the unknown. You don't know anything about it. That is more scarier to a person and it's like you're you've had time to process this. You could have had years, a week, whatever, but this person is learning what this is for the first time. And it's like, well, do I want to be with this person? Are they gonna, Are they do- gonna be there? Right. Are they gonna be All there? Right. Am to be I there?
2: Am I gonna be there? Yeah. Am I up to the challenge? Right. right. Yeah. And it's it's
0: it's yeah, that's that's why this is here, because mm-hmm. that is a also a big, big discussion to also have. Um, I wanted to say. She did an amazing job putting together support groups at a hospital. Yes. Um because well, thank you, daughter. Of course. Because I sat <laughs> in for a she couple did. of them. And she, she invited not just the people going through stuff, but their family members. The spouses, because, caregivers. Yeah, because they also wanted to learn mm-hmm. about this disease. And it's it. I thought it was a really good thing that you did because I just think it's like even just us sitting here Mm -hmm. it's like we can all learn something from each other and if if my spouse says you know I just got diagnosed with something and I'm sitting in a support group then I'm learning something about it right because a lot of times oftentimes you also can hear something or know something about your disease but it's not being executed
2: Or, or or expressed or expressed right yeah and and a big part of this is the goal of creating. Kind of this community and right. we want to highlight great doctors we want to highlight different diseases different journeys different experiences and for all the people out there we welcome you we welcome you to this mm-hmm. place to this to Love Sick as a podcast to to this community and we want to share your journey yep. we want to share this and start a conversation that empowers people's health but empowers people's lives right like we want you to have a full complete supportive, loving environment, a life that is is fulfilling, because mm-hmm. you can live with chronic illness. And most people in this country and largely around the world are living with something. Right. And the numbers are shocking. I mean, if you go to our social medias, you can see a lot of that information. But the reality is more people are dealing with something than aren't. And mathematically speaking, the older you get, the longer you live, the chances are greater that you're gonna face something. Right. Cause nobody gets out of this thing unscathed, right? <laughs> no, all, We all have <laughs> challenges. Yep, you will yeah, have
1: something. And I mean, the other thing too, when I had the support groups, the significant others, they actually thought that the person was just making up stuff because they didn't feel like doing it. So it was really great that other people could come and hear what the signs and things like that were because they realized, wow she wasn't faking she wasn't lying because she didn't want to go to the dance with me or she wasn't lying because she didn't want to go on vacation she really wasn't feeling well and the thing about it is it can happen at any time like you don't know how you're going to feel from day to day but what I want people to know I don't want people to be like scared like oh my gosh I have shortness of breath oh wait a minute You know, I lost some weight. You don't want people to be afraid. But what I do want people to understand is be an advocate about sarcoidosis specifically because you will put that on the top of mind of your medical professionals, which is most of the time not. So if you go in and you have some symptoms and you're like, hey, I remember that show and they were talking about sarcoidosis. Is there a possibility that I might have that? Well, guess what? Now you don't put that at the top of mind to whoever you're seeing as your doctor, you know, your uh, nurse practitioner. Now it's like a conversation. Well, you know, maybe I will make sure she gets checked or he gets checked for sarcoidosis. That's a good thing. Because because that it mimics so many other things, it's hard to um, diagnose. Very hard to diagnose. Yeah,
2: and there's this community effect, right? I think we all have so much more in common. I mean, this is something you... The three of us talk about all the time it's like we have so much more in common than we do apart right most people want a lot of the same things but we don't always have the community or the situation or the the knowledge base Mm -hmm. to empower that part Mm -hmm. of it and i think that's a big part of this too is at lovesick our goal is to help give you that community help you find each other help you find knowledge help you experience this for not just yourself but for your loved ones so you can be right compassionate, here. right? Mm-hmm. So you can be empathetic because there's two places that empathy, I think are huge when it comes to being sick. The first one is it'd be nice if the, if the practitioners and the medical people, and sometimes it's hard because sometimes they got a million cases and, and I don't know what else they're running from this room into the next room and, and they get there is such a thing as caregiver fatigue. But that's also true for a partner, right? But mm-hmm. if you're the sick person... You need some some empathy, some compassion. And that also feeds your ability to give back to your partner. Yes. And that makes a healthier relationship. Healthier relationships make healthier families. Healthier families make healthier communities. Mm-hmm. And when we start talking about, you know, what do we want lovesick to be? We want to be a community of like-minded, caring, loving, empathetic people. Yes. Who are willing to have the conversation nobody wants like. You didn't want to share a sarcoidosis story with the world, but you're willing to share your journey so Mm -hmm. people can be empowered. You didn't choose this. No, it chose me. Yeah.
1: But
2: but you chose how you deal with it, it, right? right. I chose to be a warrior.
1: I I chose how to deal with it because when I look at my family, that's what I live for. Like, that's what keeps me going. And I'm pretty sure it's the same for other people because you have to think every day, what keeps me going? Well, her, my other daughter, you know, my grandkids, that's the thing that keeps me going because when you have something to live for, you're going to try your damnness to get right every single day because you have a reason to live. Not that I don't have my own life too, because I do, you know, but when you have a really good family in place, you want to be there. You know, you really want to be there for, I want to, I'm praying to praying to God, I can be a 100 plus, you know, and being able to still move around and, uh, you know, sing
2: karaoke. <laughs> I, I, sing okay, karaoke. We, we, we may and end up putting a clip somewhere. We're going to be you guys doing karaoke. We're going to spare the whole world. We
1: have world. that. We're going to spare the that. world for me singing. We have karaoke nights. We do. We have karaoke night. We have board night. I mean, we spend a lot of time together. So, It's really nice to be able to do these things. So every day that I get up, I'm thanking God that I'm like not on the, you know, underneath the ground, that I'm above the ground. I thank God every day. And, you know, I just want to continue to make sure that other people, they have the same opportunity. You know, you got to love yourself. You know, your body I don't care where you go. You know your body. You live with this body 24-7. So a, a physician could say, well, no, this doesn't ha- Oh, you know, because, hey, I know what's wrong with me. I know something's not right. I don't need somebody to tell me something's not right.
2: Well, and sometimes people give away their power in that dynamic. Right. And, and one of the things is you are the expert on your body. And bodies mm-hmm. are, they're similarities, but they're all a little different. And right. our bodies change over time. You're the first person who's going to know because you deal with it right. all the time. And it's important that you share that. And I, one of the things for me that I would love, you have such a positive, like, just a light that kind of shines out of you, this beautiful well, energy. Thank you. How do you find that? Be- you know, Because I know there's moments, right? Like, like, yeah. I, like we should be honest because yeah, anybody who's ever been sick knows right. there are days you're just over it. I can want to tell take the you medication. You don't. I
1: can tell you that and that's a really really good question because for the most part I am the most positive person you will ever know. Ch- I, I channel my illness into positivity. And then yes, you have days. I can tell you some of those days for me is when I get people contacting me about things and it's a lot to like hear that somebody died every day. Or, you know, somebody's hospitalized and they're not doing great. Well, then that makes me start thinking about, you know, oh, my goodness, because they have the exact same thing. But what keeps me positive? I don't know their lifestyle. That's the thing. You never know what a person's lifestyle is. I know what my lifestyle is. But when I hear those things over and over again, of course, I start to worry. Because I'm like, that could be me. You know what I mean? So, but if I thought about that every single day, maybe I would be dead because I'm, I'm focusing on something that's not positive, that is negative. So if you keep thinking that way, then who knows what could happen. So even though I hear a lot about things happening, I know what I have. It's no cure. I'm going to have this for life. You know, uh, sometimes it go into remission. Sometimes it doesn't. Mine right now, I know it's still pretty much there. But the point is, I just try to change the attitude for myself, but then also for other people, because I like to let people know just because you have an illness that doesn't define who you are. Yes, it doesn't. You know, you can still live your life. It might be a little different. You know, that you can't do all the things you used to do. Give me a hula hoop. I'll show you because I can hula hoop. She really hoop. can, though. I can <laughs> Another hula thing, no, this, hoop. This,
2: this, this may be on social media. We may. We take requests. Be careful about what you request. I'm hula <laughs> Like I want to see gloves. it. I want to see She's it. She's very but good at it. She's really good at it. The
1: girl <laughs> can hula hoop and I can also bowl.
2: Okay. You and know,
1: skate. And skate. Yeah. You know, so I grew up doing this stuff. I, I grew up in Baltimore. And that's the other thing. That's another important piece of any illness. Where did you grow up? Because a lot of people are connected and have these illnesses because the environment of where they grew up. So I don't know what that may have to do with anything, but somebody could say, oh, you know, I was born in Baltimore and raised too, but I have this illness. So the environmental element could be a a big factor in this illness you know they do say that it could be environmental they say it could be hereditary right. they don't know they don't have that information
2: and a lot of rare diseases this is one of the problems with rare diseases we don't have enough we don't have enough data right because people don't share and part of that is because of the stigma of telling people you're sick right we don't have enough information as to whether it's hereditary or is it environmental or is it a combination of both and sometimes it happens in pockets like it'll happen in a 10 or 15 year period in an area and then it happens again in another area but you don't know that unless people are sharing mm-hmm. right you can't see that and in order to track that you have to have people who are willing to have open conversations like this is a brave thing to stand out front and it, and this is one of the reasons why we decided to be right. just us this first time is i admire any time someone says hey, this is what I'm dealing with in my life because it's easy to go private and it's easy to pretend it's not happening.
1: Right, which I did initially.
2: It's normal. Which I did initially. That is very normal though. Yes, I didn't
1: want anyone to know.
2: No, and it's a process, right? Mm -hmm. And, And I'm not telling anybody they have to share, right? Right. You come to it and you should share again with empathy and when it's authentic to you. But I would tell you, you're not alone. And sharing may empower somebody else on their journey, and it could save you, it could save them, but also I think there's this thing of, if we talk about our humanity, if we talk about our vitality, if we're honest about the fact that most people are living with something, it also is inspiring from the standpoint of like, okay, you're dealing with this, I'm dealing with that. How Mm -hmm. do we empower each other? And I don't have to feel like I'm alone in this, or I don't have to feel like I'm failing or my body's failing right? Because that's part of it too, is on a sick day, on a bad day, those are the days where you're like, everything's fighting you. My body's fighting me. Mm -hmm. Like, And we know, even from a mental health standpoint, people have days where they feel like their mind's fighting them, even if you are healthy, right? This is part of this journey is loving each other, Mm -hmm. you know, through sickness, loving sick people, loving even yourself through your sickness, being in love And accepting that people are going to go on this journey, this is all part of what we plan on kind of sharing and building here.
1: And can I tell you something? Like, if people didn't know me from like growing up with me and didn't know that I had the illness, they wouldn't know that I had this illness. They really wouldn't. But because I share it is how they know. And if they grew up with me, they know. But because I share the fact that I want to help save a life. I want, if it means somebody just getting a quicker diagnosis, which could save their life because I didn't have that. I didn't have somebody to, to say, you know, Hey, look for this, look for that. And then you could possibly share, you know, that information to help save a life, you know, um, especially knowing that it can just mimic all these other illnesses. You want to get diagnosed because. This particular illness, you don't want to be wasting a lot of time and not being properly diagnosed because there have been people, again, that succumbed to the illness. But, you know, for me, I tried to like stay active. You know, I really try to stay active. I mean, I like dancing, too. But then sometimes I got to realize, girl, you got sarcoidosis. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't going to do all that dancing and not get out of breath. And sometimes I'll be at a house and I'll be like dancing like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> then I have to stop. Like, oh, that's enough. Okay, yeah. you, your turn now. <laughs> I know my limitations.
2: Well, and you know your body. I I I, certainly And you're kind of educating us, you know. (laughs) And it's it's a beautiful gift, right? Right. Because you're going to give people knowledge. You drop pearls of wisdom. You know, sometimes I don't even think you realize how big some of them are. And for Jada, for you, what's the beautiful goal of this? Like, like, what's it like to live with your knowing your mom's fighting, but also knowing your mom's thriving, right? Like, that's a beautiful gift
0: no it's amazing and honestly like there was a time when i was scared when i was younger and i was like i would just love to have grandkids someday and have her right. meet them and you know vice versa and
1: now she's like right an awesome grandma to three Thank <laughs> i love my i call them my boo-boo kitties i love my boo-boo kitties like they are the world to me yeah and they just you know keep me going and you know, it's just it's it's good to be that grandparent because I had a fantastic grandparent, you know, and grandparents, and they were in my life. So I know the importance of having grandparents in your life. You know, um, even though, yes, you have great parents, Jada's a great parent, you know, they're good. She really is. She, She she's a really good mom. Let me tell you, she's a great mom. Those kids are always, I'm proud of her because she is a great mother. So I'm very proud. I tell her that all the time. Like I will tell my kids, like, you're a great mom. You're beautiful. You this. I've been telling them that ever since they were little kids. Cause they're going to grow up. Like, you know, Hey, my mom told me she loved me. My mom told me I was the best. You know, my mom told me not to do this. I wanted to instill that into them so they could be powerful women as they are today. You know, and the other thing about that is it's like if you just keep going and doing things, you know what you can do, know what you can't. You just rest. You know, you get your rest. And then uh, sometimes I'm like, Ooh, I don't feel like doing that today. I'll say it, you know? It's we like, need to
0: normalize I, that anyway. I know. <laughs> you you like anything, out,
1: yeah. Learn that word no. Into <laughs> yeah. the O. <laughs> and, and
2: learn how to deliver it well. like, yeah. right? like
1: <laughs> Learn the word no. Like, yeah. I'm not afraid of saying no. Like, if I know, because first of all, sarcoidosis and stress do not go well together. So I have definitely cut off people mm. that have caused me unnecessary stress I cut them off because I that's they're not going to kill me, you know. They're not going to be the death of me. So I will. She know I cut people off.
2: I mean, yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah.
1: And <laughs> you don't have to be sick. No, no, you you don't have to be sick. And but that's a mental health thing, right? Here.
2: And that's the thing. This yes. isn't just for sick people. No, this is not for anybody it, that this is is for Everybody, yeah. everybody. Like we we're gonna cover
0: <laughs> all kinds. of We're normalizing we everything. Yes. <laughs> well, and
2: and yes. maybe we should touch on that for a second because like. We're a group of people who kind of live to the fullest in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. We don't waste a lot of days. Some of it is obviously you have lived with with a chronic illness thirty nine years. I mean that That's like nine. Like,
1: Get. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes. I mean, like, like <laughs> it deserves like being 39 celebrated. Thirty nine years, I'm
2: telling you, and yes, that's huge, right? It's, yes, it is I, really. I, and Jada does like for me. You know, I have this joke all the time because people always ask me and like. I've lived a public life basically my whole life. I literally tell people I have like eighteen thousand days left. I'm not wasting any <laughs> of them. I keep track of like, but for me that's like it's just a mindset, right. right? And I some of that you're I'm gonna share here is like, for me it's about empowering other people and investing in people, like building mm-hmm. community and connecting and realizing my time's short, right? Like every time you think you have time, you don't. And right. like I would tell parents, you know. You know, we'll we'll get into my story at another time. But like, you think you have more time with your kids, and I tell people, like you said to your kids, all the wonderful things you gave them, all the affirmations. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna miss a day, right? I'm not gonna take a day for granted. Oh no, I'm not gonna forget to tell people I work with, people I I, I anybody I spend time with. You're going to know who you are and where we stand. And I'm going to tell you if I love you. I'm right. going to tell you how I feel about you. I'm going to tell you how much I respect you. And she's care.
1: always going to say, I love you more. She's always got to top me. And, 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 my, and my grandkids, they'll be like, I love you infinity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm like, I love you infinity and beyond. And happen. we just go back and forth and back it. and forth. But you have to tell, there's so many kids out there that don't even get I love you. They don't get that from parents and- or whoever's the guardians, it doesn't have to be the parents and and people. You will be surprised how far that goes in life. Even telling your friends, though. anybody, yes, your friends, because they need hurting. to hear it too. Yeah. People are
2: hurting. Yeah, yeah. And this is not just when we talk about sick. Like our society not is just about sick, sick people, right? It's it, yeah, sick is is universal. Right? Is the economy
1: gotta, everything? It,
2: health, mental <laughs> yes. health, you know, jobs, the economy, everything. the the communities, like. We're kind of at a time period where people need to come together.
1: And we want to shed light on that. We want we want people, we're not doctors. We're, we're not saying that we're going to cure everything or that. We're not claiming to be anything like that. But what we are claiming is that you're going to get some information. You're going to get some love. You're going to feel safe. You come here on the couch with us. We're going to let you share your journey.
2: Our empathy, our authenticity, yes. our truth. Everything. Like you're going to get that the whole way. And, right. and we're probably going to talk about or say things that even we didn't intend to <laughs> at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> now your, your mission, right? You, yeah, listen. <laughs> listen. I don't, I don't want I I, I, I to get, get in trouble. Like I don't want to get side-eyed for anything, right? She gave me the finger. Like,
1: your turn. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. But, <laughs> but it's like, you, you can have, like, so many different age groups. And that's what I like about it because we're coming from it from all types of ages. And, you know, we love the fact, Michael, that you're on the journey with this because it's for men, too. Yeah. Like, men, sometimes they're not feeling heard. Not to say that they may not have support or whatever the case may be, but sometimes men don't want to talk about specific issues around women.
2: Or I'm going to be honest. Or around other men. Or around well, other men. They times, might want
1: us to talk to uh, them. You well, know? a
2: lot of times men don't want to talk about stuff, especially right. when it comes to health. Because if you want to be that protector, you want right. to be the warrior, you want to be all these things, right? All of these things that we define as strong masculine traits, and women do them too. So mm-hmm. this decision of masculine feminine is is we get in trouble sometimes because we make things all male or all female. Mm-hmm. But men don't always feel comfortable to have these deep conversations. And I would argue that's why we're losing men at a faster rate. Right. I would argue that that's right. why the depression is so much higher, the percentage of men committing suicide, but also the number of men who are dying earlier than their partners. Because men don't go get treatment or don't go get diagnosed. Right. A lot of times they don't want to tell anybody they're hurting. They don't want to tell anybody they're sick. And
0: or um, they want to be tough. I mean, I hate yeah, to say it, right. it's they that tough, to tough person it mentality. It's, it's just
1: like, it's fine, I'll get over it, or whatever. But in your opinion, though, why do you think that is?
2: societal I mean some of it's societal some of it is also you want to be the warrior right like you don't want to burden anybody else I remember there are times in my life right like and it's one of the reasons why I said to you it's so brave and and Jada and I have talked about this is there are times where I was struggling I didn't express it to my kids and there was times in my life you know 10 years ago 15 years ago I probably couldn't have sat here and had this deep conversation because I wasn't. I wasn't open in that right. way, right? Mm-hmm. Because I had, you know, I was raised in a house where, you know, my dad was born in China and then grew up in Israel and then came to the United States. You know, he, he's a foreigner and his mentality is old school and, and he's ex-military and like, I was supposed to be a soldier and a warrior. Like there was no question about it. Well, being sick doesn't go with that. And like, for example, my dad has his own health complications that journey too of watching the guy that was impervious to everything right mm-hmm. because men age and and women age in in the same way but they age differently and how we look at it societally is different mm-hmm. and as guys if your identity is you're the strong one forever well that's not going to happen because at some point something in life is going to take you down and i've had injuries and and you know I'll tell you, the emotional stuff for me is far worse than any of the physical stuff. But you don't always want to share. Mm -hmm. You don't, you know, I had, you know, I've been pretty healthy. But just to be healthy doesn't mean that everything worked or that you always shared the things you should. And I think that's the other part for men is like, be brave enough to acknowledge. Because it may save your life. And if you want to be here for your kids, your families, if you really want to be that warrior, I have this term about like being a warrior of heart. Because that's what it is. Is are you brave enough to be vulnerable? Are you brave enough to share what's really going on? Are you willing to have the uncomfortable conversation? Because that's what, that's what, that's, what, kills, that's, what that's what kills. That's what it is. That's what kills that's most it. relationships. Yep. And it's what destroys people's yes, mental health. Yes. Can you have that, that vulnerable conversation?
1: So let me say this, because I know it's time for us to wrap up. Yeah. What do we want to leave people with now that we've gotten our very first episode out the way? (laughs) Yay! You know, Um, and and we can say each like quickly, I think for me, I just want um, people to continue to follow our journey and our guest journey. So they can continue to learn and feel more comfortable and have a platform to listen or even be on a on a couch with us. Jay?
0: I mean, I'm I'm loving this because it's I want people to be able to be vulnerable because we are also doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very important that if we're authentic, then more people will be authentic. And I think that's the most one of the most important things for me.
2: Yeah, and I'll try and keep mine short is love yourself enough to share. Mm-hmm. We want to build a community and we want to give you the best resources we can. It's why we kind of teamed up in this way. So we're going to bring you people who are going to share authentically and open themselves up. And we hope they're going to give you resources and ideas or help you give your heart so that you don't have to carry it by yourself.
1: Well, on that note, <laughs>
2: <laughs> thank you. <On> that note,
1: <laughs> let's just say thanks for for everyone watching and listening to us. Stay positive if you can, even if you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, uh, talk, like communicate, talk to people, check on people and, you know, whatever it is that you're dealing with, you are not your
2: illness. You are not your illness. That's right. And you can come to us That's in right. this space because we will give you support. <laughs> yes. So stay tuned for the next. Yes. Sick podcast and many more. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, you <laughs>
1: Hit it.